Good morning. All right, I'm going to open up in prayer, and we're going to get started today. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for just such a nice time of worship. And Lord, I thank you for this word, and I pray it comes out the way you want it to, and it does the work that you have for it to do. And we thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are going to be in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4. Now, so if, you have, if you have any trouble finding the book of Jonah, it's right between Obadiah and Micah. That's an old church joke. Those books are just as small as Jonah, so you, know, you probably have to look it up in your index of your Bible, so I'm going to give you an extra minute to do that. Jonah is one of those books, I know Eddie and I were talking about this yesterday, it's one of those things that tends to be a Sunday school lesson. Yeah, Jonah and the big fish, and yeah, we know that. And then we kind of overlook it a lot of times as adults or sermons or adult Bible studies. Jonah is just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's one of those, uh, yeah, I remember that from Sunday school, right? That's, that's where we talk about that. And, of course, being Scripture, there's always things in it that's beneficial to everybody. And we really shouldn't neglect the individuals, everything from, if you have uh you're talking about David and Goliath, there's things there for us. It's not just a Sunday school story. You're talking about Jonah and the giant fish. There are things there for us, for every age group. So I had a different idea last week what I was going to do this week, but came to Tuesday night prayer, praying with uh, Eddie and Kevin and, and the, the group at prayer, and then, of course, wake up Wednesday morning, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, here's what we're actually going to do. And I'm like, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the book of Jonah. That is not what I had in mind at all. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to read in Jonah chapter 4, in verse 2. And this may look a little different. I'm reading the uh, NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Normally I do NIV, but I just like the way that this uh, phrased it particularly well. So Jonah 4.2 says, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents from who relents concerning calamity. The title of the message today is Seeing God's Compassion. Jonah, and I'm going to give the backstory here why Jonah is saying these things, but Jonah is saying God, I know you are a gracious and compassionate God. You are slow to anger. You are abundant in loving kindness. And you are the one who relents from causing calamity. And what brought Jonah to the point of saying this? Why is he saying, hey, this is a great description of God. He is understanding God's compassion, but he's angry as he's saying this. So I don't want to explain why. So the book of Jonah Four chapters, so it's pretty small. And it starts off with, we actually don't know a whole lot about Jonah, but we kind of need a little backstory of, he's a prophet. And he's described as kind of, he's kind of actually close to, comes out of the region around Nazareth, actually. And the time period for this, so in 722 B.C., so 722 years before Christ, the northern kingdom of Israel was overthrown by the Assyrians. Jonah takes place before then, several decades before then. 
But Nineveh, which is the city that he's called to go to, is the capital of the Assyrians. This is the rise of the Assyrian Empire. Nineveh today, the ruins of it are located in Iraq. Uh, there's, the gate is still there. Parts of the walls are still there. They've been damaged through some war and, and things, but it's still there in Iraq. And it was the capital city, and it was a big city. It was a, it, it was a, it was a big deal back in its day. And it was the center of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were brutal people. They are famous for being brutal. That's the, if you say, well, describe the Assyrians in one word, it's, it's brutal. They were violent, brutal. They are enemies of Israel. Before they ever came and conquered the northern kingdoms, they were an enemy of Israel. They're dangerous. And God speaks to Jonah and says, go to the capital city. And Jonah understands through the context of this conversation, God's on the verge of destroying that city if it doesn't repent. And he tells Jonah, go to that city and tell them to repent, or I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah says, no. And he runs. And this this is an... It's easy to say, you, what, what, what do we usually say in the Sunday school lesson? Oh, shame on Jonah for, for running from God. That was, a, that was quite a thing to be told by God to go and do. Hey, I'm about to destroy the biggest threat to you currently. Go tell them to repent so I don't destroy them. And Jonah's going, I'm, I'm not seeing the upside to that. I, I kind of want you to destroy them. I actually really do want you to destroy them. I like that idea. So in disobedience to God, he, he goes and he gets on a ship and he's headed to Tarshish. He's going the opposite direction of where Nineveh is. He is, he is going as far the other way as he can. And God, of course, anticipating that, he, he's on this boat and all of a sudden this storm comes up. Horrible storm, so much so that all the people on the boat know something's wrong. This is a God causing this. We're in trouble. We're going to die if we don't figure out. And it says every man there is crying out to his God, and Jonah's asleep in the boat under, down below. They go down below. How are you sleeping during this? You cry out to your God. Maybe your God will hear us and will hear you and save all of us. They're open to any option right now. They're, hey, they're praying to every God they know, saying, somebody do something. And Jonah comes up and says, they, they cast lots. They... They say, Who, whose fault is this? Let's cast lots, and it falls on Jonah. And they say, what have you done to cause this calamity? We're going to all die in this storm. You, you know, who, how, what did you do to bring this on us? He tells them. And they say, okay, well, what are we going to do? And he tells them, throw me overboard. Let God deal with me. I don't want you all to die. Just throw me overboard, and you'll be safe. And they they actually reluctant. They're throwing the cargo over. They... It's an interesting group that's on this boat because he tells them what to do and they, and they try to do everything else other than that. They don't want to, because that's a death sentence. Getting thrown overboard when you're out in the Mediterranean Sea like that, you're going to drown. You're, you're dead. So they're throwing the cargo. They're doing everything else they can. Nothing's working. He, says, he tells them again. They say, okay. And they even have this little prayer in chapter one of, God, don't hold us accountable for killing this man. This is your will. This is, this is what you want. So this is what we're doing. But, but hold us innocent of what we're doing. They throw Jonah over. And immediately the storm stops. And they all pray to Jonah's God. 
they're all amazed and they're all thanking him. At this point, in Jonah's mind, he should be dead. But God sends this great fish and swallows him. And that kind of, people kind of get hung up on that sometimes. They're like, well, I don't, what, what would that look like? What was it? Quite frankly, there are several sea creatures big enough to swallow a human, been known to do so even. And quite frankly, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do the bottom of the ocean. Most stats say we've only explored about 10% of the ocean. I can't tell you what's down there. Nobody knows for sure what's down. God could call up something, whatever he wants from from there. So that is such a non-issue for me. It doesn't bother me at all. What I do want to point out, people act like, well, boy, God really punished Jonah by having him swallowed inside that fish for three days. And the entire chapter two is Jonah thanking God for the fish. That was his rescue mechanism. He was going to drown. He thought he was dead. He describes chapter 2, how far he sunk down and how, how much the water was crushing him, and that fish rescued him. And later Jesus refers to that three days in that fish like himself being three days in the tomb. It's a, it's a rescue mesh, uh, mechanism. It's not a, that's not the punishment. That was the rescue. That fish rescued Jonah, took him all the way back to shore and spit him back out on shore. I don't think that was pleasant, but it's a lot better than drowning. <laughs> and he's back on dry land. Can you imagine if that crew ever met up with him again? How did you get back to shore? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> so he's back out on the shore now. What's he do? Okay. God, I saw God's wrath but I also saw his mercy and he rescued me from drowning. I'm going to go do what he told me to do. And it's, not, it's, a, it's a long trip to Nineveh, but he, go, he goes there. And Nineveh is described as so big, there's a couple of different translations, interpretations, that it's three days to walk. It's either three days to walk all the way, to walk all the way through it, or it's three days just to walk across it, depending on, on how you look at that. It is a... Either way, it's a massive city, especially back at that time period. Understand pre-time of Jesus, the entire world population, less than 100 million. And you have a city of hundreds of thousands. That's a big city compared to all of humanity. It describes a couple of times that there are 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. And that's an interesting description because, well, does it mean that it's people, it's, it's 120,000 people and they don't know any better. But a lot of scholars will tell you it's it was 120,000 children who were so young you didn't yet know if they were right-handed or left-handed. And that the actual population of the city was a lot bigger. And that was just God referring to a, a particular group of, look, there are so many children or youth in this city. And I'm, I'm worried. I don't want to destroy this city. I'm going to have to if they don't repent. But look at how many people are there that don't even know better. It might be just, it, it could very well be that there was that many children there. He even refers to the cattle, saying, look, I'm going to have to destroy all of this, and I don't want to. So Jonah goes into Nineveh and preaches in the capital city of his country's worst enemy, the place he would love to see burned to the ground. 
but he does. He goes in and preaches, and this is this is a massive city of violent. What what good is one guy going to do, going up and preaching? What difference can one guy make? And chapter three tells you all the way up to the king declares a fast, puts on ashes, declares everybody fast and repent and pray that th- that God will spare us. They were so ready to have somebody warn them. The people respond. It's incredible how that how the response of this city to that warning. They were so primed to hear the voice of the Lord, and you would never guess that. I have no idea what Jonah expected his reception to be, but he he was. They believed him, all the way up to the king, saying, "We have to repent, and hopefully God will spare us." And they the whole city repents. Well, that's a. Great story. And that's usually where we end in the Sunday school lesson. Jonah ran from God, got followed by the fish and spit back out, and then he goes to Nineveh and they repent. And yeah, that's great. And we just ignore chapter 4. And I think chapter 4 is the good stuff. I think that's the part, and that's where we're going to focus today. Because great, that, that they repent, but there's still a lesson to learn from Jonah. Because Jonah is mad. He is angry about this outcome. Chapter 4, he is, I'll just read the Beginning of chapter 4. So Jonah's just seen, he goes to Hilltop to see what happens. Is God going to blow up the city? He wants to see his his enemy blown up here. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry, referring to them repenting. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this or avoid this or delay this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew you are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from calamity. Therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Jonah's response to this amazing repentance is, I'm so mad I could die. And I'm going, to, I'm going to go on this hill, I'm going to sit on this hill and look at the city, and hopefully I get to see the city destroyed. And we say, oh, hey, well, wow, Jonah, he's a really angry guy. What's wrong with him? But what's this, what does this have to do with us? I want to ask, what people group makes you angry? Politicians, government, Hollywood, society in general. I think a lot of us, there's some people group that we look at, and I wish God would do something to show his power and, and do something to them. Maybe strike, maybe strike them down, maybe do something. We don't like to admit it, but let's be honest. Have you ever had that thought? Like, I wish God would do something to that people group, punish them, and make an example out of them, and prove me right. And that's, that's a big part of it, too. If God would just do something to that group, it would justify my feelings towards them. If God would just take my side against them. But what do we see here in Jonah? God's going, I don't want to destroy them. I want them to repent. I want to give them a chance to hear my word and get a chance to repent. 
as much as God protected and had his his will over Israel and Judah, and this is the time period where those two kingdoms had split, and there's that northern Israel kingdom that was in in rebellion against God. God still loved them, but God loves these God loves these violent Assyrians. As unlovable as they were, when the king declares a fast, the very thing he says repent of is repent of our violence. They they knew it. Their reputation was well deserved. Is there a time that we would say, I want a bunch of people? Would we ever say, I want some people to die to prove me right? And I, I know this is controversial, but I think it's a good example. Because I, I have heard, I have friends on both sides that say, when it came to COVID, there was the friends that say, honestly, the friends that say, I hope a bunch of people die from it to prove me right that it's so dangerous. And I've got the friends when it comes to the vaccine saying, I hope a bunch of people die to prove me right and that it's dangerous. And I'm concerned about the heart that says, I want a bunch of people to die to prove me right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy. We do that, that's just one example. We do that with a lot of things, right? Look at our society. You know, like, I wish God would punish that. And, or how, how, can, how can those people blaspheme God like I've seen them do and not get punished and you just realize how compassionate God is? how patient he is. And aren't you glad? Because he's had to be patient with all of us. We've all benefited from that compassion, that grace, that mercy. I love this conversation that God has with Jonah going on in chapter 4. I'm going to go into verse 5 here. Now I'm going to read another section. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself. He sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over him, to be shade for his head, deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Better is death for me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have a good reason to be angry, even to death. God gives Jonah comfort, and then he takes it away. And Jonah's furious. He's very happy for the plant that gave him shelter. And then God takes that away from him. And a scorching east wind, we could say, oh, Jonah's whining, but this is what's now modern-day Iraq, and has scorching wind coming in off the desert and intense sun. That was, that was not pleasant. He's, he's definitely having a bad day. But God says, okay, I, Jonah, I gave you comfort, and I'm going to take it away. And what's he showing Jonah? You're more worried about your comfort than you are about the lost. You're more worried about what feels good or what feels bad to you than you are about all those people about to perish. Sitting on a hill hoping a bunch of people die, but I'm really angry because the sun is shining on my head and I'm too hot. We are not promised comfort in this life. 
Just for reference, John 16 and verse 33, it's the end of Jesus praying about us being one, but he says, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That is not a promise of comfort in this life. Peace in Christ, yes, but in this world you're going to have trouble. We're not promised trouble, but we are told to preach. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. But if I took a survey of church, church radio, church talk, do we talk about the lost or do we talk about our comfort? I listen to Christian radio. Is it how much this is God's going to bring you comfort in your circumstances, or it's hey, we need to we need to reach the lost. People are dying. They don't know Jesus. They're going to hell. We need to do something about that. If I if I measured which where our balance is, I, I think our balance is off. I think we are a lot closer to Jonah than we might want to admit. My daily comfort is a big deal to me. The people around me perishing, eh. Maybe. Maybe it's important. Let me go ahead and finish out. God's words are better than my words. Let me finish out chapter 4 here. It's only two more verses. It says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Some translations say many cattle. God was even mindful of, God was mindful of all the living things that were going to be affected if he had to destroy this city. I, I like that. Uh, I think sometimes we can overlook that, but it it all mattered to God. He was compassionate. I don't want to do this. I don't want to destroy them, but I'm going to have to. There's times where God has had to destroy. And it's not just Old Testaments throughout world history. People group gets so wicked and they're so toxic to the other groups around them that he has to put it into them. But he does not enjoy that. He'd rather they repent. He points out to Jonah that Jonah really didn't have a whole lot of control over his own comfort. He wasn't really responsible for it. We are accustomed in our country to a fairly comfortable standard of living. Compare us to other cultures, other countries. We're, we have a fairly comfortable standard of living. I know I didn't have anything to do with me having to be born in this country. That's not a choice I made. I, I was born here. And that comfort, I didn't have a whole lot to do with that comfort. I can't really take a lot of credit for it. And if God cho- chooses to take it away, if it becomes hard to be a Christian in this country, which it looks like it increasingly will, are we going to get upset that our comfort was taken away? Or are we going to say, let's focus on the lost? And I think I know the answer to that question. I hope I know. I believe God's dealing with my own heart, and I think I know he's dealing with all of our hearts on this. 
that our focus is not going to be so much on our comfort, or whether we have it or whether it's taken away from us, but that there will be a, this is a nation of over 300 million people, and a lot of them don't know Jesus. A lot of them are perishing. And we were once a Christian nation. I don't want to see God have to take us through tearing us down because if we've become, there's always the risk that, yeah, we knew God in the past, but if we don't know now, we might become the next place that he has to punish or bring judgment on. And that's going to be our, that's going to be the question for us today. Now, I've gone through Jonah pretty quickly, but that chapter four, I encourage you to read the whole book. It won't take long. Very short book. Uh, this is the part that I think we've o- we overlook if we just if it's just the fish and it's just the preaching or it's just the being thrown off the boat, all that we miss it. Chapter four take, is there for a reason. God has this conversation with Jonah. We don't know this. That's just where the book ends. I don't know if Jonah ever figured it out or not, or ever changed, or all it is is God telling him, "You're more worried about your comfort than you are about that group of people. I'm going to have to destroy." or that you want me to destroy, even. So I'm going to, I'm actually not really going to, I'm not going to prolong this with my notes or anything. I'm going to go ahead and invite Tracy, if you want to come back up, and we'll, we'll start, we'll have a, uh, a closing here. But I want to take us back to chapter 4, the beginning of it. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and the one who relents from calamity. And I want to ask, challenging all of us, myself included, is this how we feel when we look at the world? Is that God's point of view flowing through us to the world, that compassion, slow to anger, loving kindness, wanting to relent from calamity? Or do we see what's going on and say, well, they deserve it. Or, good, I hope God punishes those people so that I can feel like I'm right. Feel good about myself, or my point of view. It vindicates me if God punishes that other people group instead of I could take part in God's pleasure of them repenting and him being able to spare them. I could, I could enjoy that. But I'd rather have my comfort and my vindication by seeing somebody else punished. How does that look to God if we are obsessed with our comfort and avoid preaching to the lost? And what's interesting, did Jonah really do all that much or all that anything fancy? He just goes into the city and starts telling them what God told him to say. He didn't really have, he didn't have a strategy for how to win Nineveh. He didn't have a he didn't even have a team. He didn't, he didn't really do much. All he did was just obey God. That's all God ever asked of him. He didn't tell Jonah, I want you to go and take on this heavy burden of trying to win the entire city of Nineveh on your own, and you're going to have to, you're just going to have to wear your, work yourself to death to try to do it. And all, the, all God asked of Jonah was, just go tell him what I tell you to say. That's all, I, that's all I need. Whatever had already happened in that city, God had already prepped it and why they were so receptive to it, I don't know. But God already, God already had that planned. 
The work was already it was ready for Jonah to just walk in and preach, and they repented. And that's all he ever asked them to do. So many times I've heard Jonah taught, and he ran from what God told him to do because he was scared of Nineveh. He was scared of what the Assyrians would do to him. It never says that in the Bible. In chapter 4, he specifically says, I ran because I didn't want them to repent, and because I knew they would. <laughs> Somehow he knew that it was going to work, because God told him to do it. He's like, I didn't want them to repent. I wanted them to be destroyed. He never says he was afraid of it. And I do want to ask, are we afraid of the world? Are we afraid of what the world will do to us? Is that why we don't tend to reach out? Or do we not tend to reach out because it's uncomfortable? It jeopardizes our comfort. It jeopardizes... Or do we want to, do we want to see God, God punish people? You may say, Jason, I... We don't feel that way around here. I hope we don't, but I've, I'm on social media. i got lots of Christian friends on there. I've grown up in church. I've heard plenty of church people say, I can't wait till Judgment Day and God does this and this to that person or that group. And I'm just like, what about it? What about you <laughs> standing before God? Like, that's a, a real, Is that God's heart for people or, or not? Um, I know that that happens in the church because I've heard enough times in the church. So I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Anybody needs prayer, I, I encourage you to have some time with God and say, hey, where's my heart in all this? If you don't know the Lord at all, I want to give you that opportunity. I'd be happy to pray with you, talk with you about what it actually means to be a Christian, to be saved, to, to repent. But I really want us to give God a chance to speak to us. And let me go ahead and uh, pray and we'll, we'll worship. But always feel free to come up for prayer or reach out afterwards. Or we'll, we are a church that genuinely wants to pray and genuinely wants to help you. Lord, thank you for this word. Pray, Lord, that it has the impact, Lord, on me and on us that it needs to have, Lord, we have prioritized our comfort over the lost. And we need your help, Lord, to learn this lesson that you were trying to teach Jonah. Teach it to us, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. with a couple of thoughts. Um, when I was younger, I looked at the end of the book of Jonah and kind of thought, wow, Jonah's really a jerk. As they have gotten older, I realized, especially in preparing for this message, how relatable he is. How much I can see how, yeah, my own comfort versus caring about other people. Yeah. I I relate to you, Jonah. Okay. Uh, Eddie reminded me of a testimony we had at men's group yesterday. It would be good to share. Uh, when the men in our church were sharing how 
when he first got saved, he was extremely zealous. And he got dressed in his nicest clothes, and he went to the hospital to pray for people to be healed and, and have, you know, have this great revival. And they, the security guards wouldn't let him in the hospital. I said, no, go away. And he was very upset. <laughs> He's walking down the street, and there was a, a woman that was known to be insane. And she smelled really bad. It was just bad situation lived in the street and no one would really go near and he's upset God why did I get turned away from the hospital why and God speaks to him and says there's somebody for you to talk to and he shared with us he said God is there someone else who could talk to her maybe Uh, and the Lord said no no you need to go do that he went and did that he's just start talking to her start sharing the gospel and she was healed of her insanity was able to go back home, was able to resume a life, able to get cleaned up and resume, and just had this great testimony of this woman's healing and salvation just from him obeying God and just and just talking to her, preaching to her, where his plan didn't work at all, but, that, but God had a plan. Um, I know I've made sharing the gospel and preaching too difficult as some insurmountable task that I'm that's scary what do I say to people what if I do the wrong thing what I think it's a lot easier than we make it out to be and I think God gives us things to say and just wants us to share them just wants us to talk to people build relationships I think we make it way too hard let's uh, let's dismiss in a word of prayer Lord, thank you. Keep teaching us, Lord. Teach us this lesson that you were teaching Jonah. Lord, uh, correct us where we've made this too difficult. Help us build relationships with the lost and share with them words that you give us to share with them. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Be with us as we go from this place. Protect us, Lord, as we travel on the roads and We just thank you, Lord, that you are compassionate, loving. You're all those things that Jonah said about you. He knew you. He knew all those things about you. Help all of us to know you at that depth and know you that way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.